Go to Philippians 1.6 tonight, familiar verse. One of the first verses that um, was ever shared with me, to believe, believe it or not, when I was, oh, one that I remember anyways, I was reading my Bible and, and whatnot, but I had received a letter in basic training. I was kind of discouraged and received this in a letter and someone had written Philippians 1.6. And as far as I remember, that was the first time I'd ever really uh, consciously read that verse. And I said, well, there, you know, one of those great encouraging verses when you just feel like you should give up or feel like giving up and you realize, no, the Lord is working in us. Let's read it here and we'll, we'll go on from there tonight. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Father, we are so thankful for these words that are written here before us. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the fact that you are the one that has begun the work and will complete it. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray that everything that's done tonight and all these prayers that we have listed in our prayer meeting here tonight, all of that, Lord, would be uh, part of that work of progress for the day of Jesus Christ. We look forward to that time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You... um, Often, you know, we, it's funny, people look for miracles, and there's a lot of talk about miracles. If you look out there, you know, those that are spiritual-minded anyways are always looking for some major miracle. I think probably the greatest miracle that could be evidenced is the fact of the work of Christ in the life of a believer. When you think about what some of, uh, some of you were like, and I was like, and others that you know, and then when they're changed... Uh, and truly change, it is the work of Christ. And even beyond that, we're going to talk even further than that. Sometimes we look at the change that is in the now, right now, like, okay, you know, all right, this, this is definitely genuine. And then sometimes we wonder, you know, we were having this conversation earlier, Bob and I were talking about uh, some that have apparently walked away from the faith. And, and years ago, some of them did that. And you, you go, is it real in their life or was it not? Well, is God going to discipline them, get a hold of them? Has he disciplined some of them already? You know, those kind of questions. And really, we have to leave that with the Lord a lot of times uh, and that individual that made a choice to walk away from the Lord. Ultimately, even for a backslidden believer, we will someday stand before the Lord complete without sin. And when I think of that, that's really a miracle. It's a miracle not because we earned our place, but because he will make the work happen, or he is making the work happen even now. Charles Spurgeon uh, said it that way as well. When uh, uh, some asked, some of his friends had asked him, what are the same, some of the greatest miracles he had ever seen or experienced? And he said simply, uh, the miracle of the changed you know, believer. Uh, and that was one of the things, and you know, he talked about that. And I, I think when you look back in your own personal testimony, you can see that. And every single person who has come to faith in Christ and that work that began with him and is continued by him and will eventually be completed by him uh, is a miracle. It really is. And don't lessen that in that whole thing. Um, a couple things here, but... Uh, just looking at this, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you. You'll find here a few facts about this. Number one is it's the work of God, okay? It begins with him, and it ultimately ends with him, right? 
It says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. So there will be a day of completion. Not right now, but someday, maybe soon, but not at this very instance. If you're sitting in this room and you have a heartbeat, uh, that work is an ongoing work. But someday it's going to be completed. And uh, that's called really total sanctification at that point. And the, the term and the theological kind of discussion around that verse would be dealing with our sanctification. Uh, and we're talking about our positional sanctification, but also our practical sanctification that as we progress through this experience of salvation, someday we will be fully holy. And oh, I look forward to that. <laughs> There's a lot, of, um, a lot of that. And by the way, it's a lifetime process. He began a good work in you. And that begins at salvation. You remember the Colossian church when Paul writes to them and he writes to the, encourage them, even though they hadn't seen his face in the flesh. Colossians 2, he starts off about that. He had hoped to go there and talk to them and be an encouragement to them. So and he couldn't, so instead he wrote a, a letter and in that, I don't know, around Colossians 2, 7 or 6 or 7 or whatever, he talks about as you walk in Christ, right? Um, uh, as you walk or as you put on Christ, it says, so walk ye in him, right? And we put him on by faith, and ultimately it was his work to begin with, but by faith we believed and that work began and we now have the opportunity to walk by faith. Someday faith will be sight. It's a lifetime process though. It is never complete in this life. And that's why when he says, he who has begun a good work, right? It will continue for a while. And God won't stop until the job is done. I'm thankful for that. Uh, There's a lot of projects around my house that are still unfinished, okay? Uh, And and my wife sometimes reminds me of some of those that, that need to get done. And, you know, it's not the right season, right? I can't go out and mow the lawn right now, things like that. Uh, but you know we have those kind of things that we always have projects don't we that some of them don't get completed here sometimes someone else has to finish it or they don't even get done at all and uh, God's work though will be completed and then God uses everything that happens to us the good and the bad to make us like Christ and that's been our theme as we've looked at these series of messages over the last few weeks on the faithful God And really, you could title this message, you know, uh, the faithful God who will complete his work, because that's what he does. And he's talking about here in the completed work of Christ in us. He starts that work, and we can be confident in that. That's what Paul says, being confident. That doesn't mean a confidence in ourselves. Uh, I I lost the ability of that a long time ago with my spiritual walk, uh, because as you're, as you're walking, as, as much as I remember growing up before I was a Christian and before I had trusted Christ and he, 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 you know, made me born again, all of that. You know what? I, there is absolutely no way I had victory over the sin in my life. And many times had tried to change things and had gone and done certain rituals and said certain prayers and all of those things and then find out that come right back. And never having even really the, I mean, I, I felt bad, but I didn't really feel bad enough. I think that's the bottom line. And realized that, well, somehow my good works would, uh, would pay for the, the sin that I was doing. And that isn't the case at all. And ultimately, the Lord begins his work and we can be confident that he is the one that can complete it. 
I can't, but he will. He starts the work in us. And uh, that's where salvation, uh, and that's the reference here, talking about that work of salvation that is in us, that is a eternal salvation. It'll never end. Uh, there was a young preacher who was called to a church, and someone asked him, uh, on the, they were asking him questions about his beliefs, and they said, tell us what about your salvation. And he said, well, he says, I did my part and God did his part. And they thought, oh, you know, that doesn't sound quite right. You know, how, what, what does he believe in works or whatever? And they said, well, please explain a little bit more what you mean by that. And he says, well, I did my part to run as fast and far from God as I could. And God did his part. And he caught me, you know, and, and that's true, isn't it? I mean, we are born in iniquity. We are shaped that way right from our conception as we come together in the, the, the womb, we already have a sin nature that's in our genes. You know what I mean? It's, it's right in us. And we begin to undo. <laughs> we have a, a lifespan. We have all of that that is built right into us as part of the curse of sin is really what it is. And it, we carry it right from Adam on. And I'm running from God right from the beginning, you know. But the Lord's there. He interjects. He stops. He uh, gets a hold of us in that process. That's what he says, that he who has begun a good work, he started it. It was his, his order in that. Uh, I used a little acronym there before, and I don't have the slide, but I did it, I think, last year. But it's P-B-P-G-I-F-W-M-Y. Please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. Remember? And you could probably have that little you know, sticker right there. Uh, and, and ultimately, God is the one who's at, he's working, but everybody else has to be a little more patient, I hope. <laughs> and uh, he is. He's also able to keep us from falling. And the book of Jude, uh, interesting book, you know, it talks about apostasy. And uh, we were talking about that this morning. I had this prepared for last week, but it's funny you brought that up, Bob. We stopped in today on his walk, and we were chatting, and hope you don't mind me telling that. But I just, uh, we were talking about apostasy and what that looks like. And things. you go to the book of Jude, and that's what it's about. It's interesting, Jude set out to write a book about the common salvation, or a letter about the common salvation. And he didn't. Instead, he wrote about uh, those who had... Uh, become apostates and he he lists in that one chapter that's all it is the descriptions of what apostates are like and all that but then he ends on this wonderful promise and sort of a doxology of praise for what God is doing in us and he says now to him that's the Lord who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy To God our Savior, oh I like that, God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever, amen. When you look at that, and he ends this, I mean it's a sad little letter as you go down through it and you think about all the characteristics of apostates, and we can look back, you know, look around to this day, there's a lot of apostasy. A lot of people who are Christians in name only, but for various reasons, through deception and some being deceivers themselves, have captured others, and they are doing that. They're, that's been right from the beginning of the church. 
We're to beware of that. Certain men crept in unawares. That's what Jude says. All that, But then he turns it around because as I read down through that, I go, wow, I, I hope I'm not part of that crowd. I, I mean, I, I, sometimes I, I think, well, you know, what, where'd that thought just come from in my mind? Or that thing I just said, you know, in, in a haste of anger or something like that. A- am I a Christian? And we start to doubt. And we start wondering, am I apostate? Oh no, that's really bad, you know? And he ends with a great verse here saying to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and it's not that he you know we will not stumble in sin and do that but he's talking about eternally losing our salvation we cannot lose it you won't just fall down one day and say oh you know oops <laughs> if i don't get up right now i've lost it that's kind of the way we think sometimes is it's a work salvation is really what that is or a belief in that it, you can't be saved by your works but look to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Um, interesting words there because, first of all, he's able to keep you from stumbling, from falling, literally. And I think it's the King James that puts it in falling and, and the word here is the same way. But not even for, for, to stumble a little bit in his presence. We're going we're gonna to be able to stand there with him in that. Uh, He's able to present you in his presence as well. Faultless, it says. The word for faultless is the same word that was used to describe animals who were brought to the sacrifice, like the lamb, who has had to be faultless without spot or blemish. It's the same description word that's used, and it's of Christ as well. And we're back to our sanctification. We, By the blood of Christ and the death, the vicarious death of Christ, he has paid the price for our sins, and we're literally... Uh, not only are sins covered, but removed. We're given the righteousness of Christ. Uh, the word justification. We looked at that when we went through the book of Romans. And because of that justified position that we are in, our sin is gone. It, it, in the eyes of God, he'll never have account of that. And you know, we'll get to heaven in his presence, and you're not going to bring, bring that with you. And I'm thankful for that. Because... Now, people remember sin, and now sometimes sin convicts us, uh, even as we've asked the Lord for you know, forgiveness. He has given us forgiveness, and yet we sometimes carry that with us, the burden of the guilt of sin. He's able to remove all that, and someday, standing before him, that's why the Bible says, even in the eternal state, the former things will be remembered no more. And that doesn't mean we won't have some consciousness, maybe, of, of what we were like. I mean, because you, you read of the redeemed as they're singing and they say you know who has redeemed us from every nation tongue tribe all that there must be some connection to understanding where we came from if we can identify in the eternal state that i was once you know some mainer who got saved you know or whatever else but um i don't know if that's a tribe or not but we sometimes get lumped in as a tribe uh and i say this that there will be some knowledge of our past but the sin aspect is not going to be there the guilt is not going to be there we'll be looking ahead standing faultless before his throne i like what j vernon mcgee used to describe uh, his own condition and he said it this way he said he pictured the lord in heaven counting sheep as they they came into the fold and and uh 
he, he uses the illustration, uh, you know, 94, 95 is the sheep are going by, 96, 97, 98. McGee, where's McGee? Where's McGee? No, he says, it won't be like that. That's how we look at it. Like, oh, we lost one. Where is he? God never loses a sheep. If you're truly a sheep, you're a sheep and you won't be lost. Uh, that's Psalm 23. Uh, Psalm 23, the end of that uh, Psalm 23, I think I wrote it here somewhere. Verse 6, remember? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Okay, how long do you live as a believer? Forever. Yeah. It's not only the, this life. We, uh, when you are given life, you're given eternal life. That's a forever kind of life. So all the days of my life, 10,000 years from now, right? I've still got days ahead of me. And I like that. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the confidence of the psalmist under Holy Spirit inspiration, giving the same thing that Jude says, that, that Paul says, that Peter says, that John says. I mean, you can go right down through that Jesus said, right? He doesn't lose any. We know that as well. But that's Psalm 23, and if you think of it from the perspective of a sheep, uh, he's the good shepherd, and he's the one that is able to, to hold us and keep us and, and uh, tend us and, and discipline us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, he says. You know, the rod was an implement of correction for a sheep. <laughs> the staff was an implement that was used to deliver the sheep and also protect the sheep, uh, and, and the rod could be as well. But, you know, all of that is the shepherd's responsibility, not the sheep's. No sheep ever picked up a shepherd's crook or a, sheep or a rod and took off with it. I mean, they don't do that, right? But we, need, we have the Lord because the Lord is our shepherd. Uh, back up here to our text. And, yeah, again, we see that. I have some other verses. I'm just going to go down through them. I uh, went through this last week and I went through it this afternoon and I said, I don't know why I put that verse in there, but I, I'm going to try to go through it and look at my notes as well. But I like what Romans 6, 6 says. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And very simply, and we looked at this already in our book, a study in the book of Romans. That was quite a while ago by now. But uh, we have here... Uh, the Apostle Paul talking about our our sins and, and specifically our old nature, okay, has been crucified with Christ. That's the position of our old nature. Now, in this state, in the flesh, it still is squirming, as they put, you know. And someone, uh, I remember studying that and asking a couple questions about it, but I remember a teacher who was uh, saying, and he got it from somewhere, but talking about when people were crucified, Often the uh, the date of their death or the time of their death as it was recorded is when they were put on a cross, when they were crucified. It wasn't exactly when they died on the cross, but it was when they were actually crucified. That's the official record. And when you think about it, when our when we identified with Christ by faith, He identifies with us, and we are saved. We're positionally sanctified. Um, the old nature has become the old man crucified. But he still squirms. And if you feed him, he'll, he'll revive a bit. But he's ultimately doomed. 
That old nature eventually will be done away with. That's what he says here. And that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And I think you do not need to be a slave to sin now. Sometimes Christians can be caught up in sin and become slaves again. And that's, that's tragic to be put yourself back in bondage after having freedom. I mean, think of that. That's awful. But it's easy to do. And people do it all the time. But ultimately, someday those chains will be completely broken. Even if you're caught up in sin. When death comes you're still going to be presented faultless before him. So that's not fair. Well, yeah, it is because Christ died for every sin. It's not fair that I get to get to heaven. It's that an innocent man took my place and not only took my place, but gave me his righteousness. I mean, all of that, I benefit. It's called grace is what it is. Back to Jude there, he talks about uh, without fault. And, uh, and again, that was the temple sacrifices or without blemish. And also says great joy. Did you see that on the end of that? He says, uh, well, verse 6 or, he said, or 24. He says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before uh, the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That word exceeding joy... Uh, it's a Greek word that means to be uh, exceeding, exceedingly jubilant, all right? And the picture is like a parade of people who have come back from a great victory. And everything just kind of bursts into... And, and that's, that's what it's going to be like in heaven someday. Think of the most exciting things you've ever been around, right? Uh, the times that... well. If the blizzards win or whatever, we don't know. They're out tonight, right? The blizzard. Yeah, 7 p.m. is their game. And if they win the game seven here tonight, it's going to be a lot of excitement. We'll probably hear it from across the river. And there's those kind of times when you've been at sporting events or some a parade or some event that takes place. I remember the World Cup of 1990. I was in West Germany, and they won that year. And uh, I was... Um, I was on CQ duty that night, so I didn't have a TV or anything that I could watch. And we, we knew that they were in the World Cup. And all of a sudden, it sounded like every car horn in Germany started blowing. And firecrackers and fireworks started going off in the town of Aschaffenburg and all over the, town, oh, the, the, the country. Because I knew they had won. <laughs> and it was jubilation. If we can do that about a sporting event, which... I'm sorry, is not even close to what Christ has done. The victor. How much more is it going to be in heaven? In the eternal state. And we won't need alcohol to help it. We won't need other things to help it. You know, we're going to be excited. Totally clued into him. I mean, that's going to be in his glory. Boys, oh boys. All right, move on here. And we'll move past uh, the book of Romans. I had a few other things on that, but Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Again, that's positional right now, but it's also something you can latch onto and claim and say, "I don't need to be a slave to sin. I have a new nature, and that new nature, if." If we would just feed it the way we should, right? You go and, and get into the Bible. What a wonderful book. Hey, get into the Scriptures, right? Commune with the Lord in some time together with Him. 
and let him speak to you and you speak to him. All those different things. You know what? We have a new nature. Feed that new nature. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And he goes on to say this, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. For by one offering... He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That uh, long wordy sentence there, again, it echoes exactly what we're looking at in Philippians, Colossians, whatever. The work begins with Him, right? He's the one who initiates salvation. And I believe man has a will, has to respond, but uh, one way or the other. But, but God initiates it. And he starts that work of sanctification and continues it. Do you see the tense that the uh, word sanctified is in? He says, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. If you are a Christian, you are in the process of being sanctified. And it's as if you've been perfected forever already. He's doing the work. He's moving it along. He's doing all that through whatever means, but he's perfecting it. He equips us to do His will as well. And back there in in the book of Jude, um, he said, let me find the, the verse again. Yeah, verse 25. He says, To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and forever. And ultimately, it's the God of peace, the one who gave us Salvation, and it's interesting, it says, to God our Savior. Uh, several times in Scripture you'll find that phrase, and it's attached to, like in the book of Titus, it also uh, uses that, and several other places in Scripture where he has Jesus Christ and also God our Savior. And the description of God our Savior refers to Jesus Christ. God is our Savior, and Jesus is God. And that, that Again, the deity of Christ is on display there as well. But he equips us um, to do that. And he is at, he's at work in us now for all those things. I'm thankful for that. Uh, Galatians chapter 2. This is another one. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, Paul's being, I think, honest about his exact relationship as he was making that, penning those words. He was positionally crucified with Christ. He was a dead man walking. And if you think about that, when you get a hold of that very reality, what can man do to me when I'm already a dead man walking, right? You wonder why Paul had so much boldness at times and he was able to go into places and, and, he, and he gave up much to go to become a, a follower of Christ. But he knew his position. See, he had been crucified with Christ. 
and the death warrant was already signed and it was already completed. The action was already over. And he took on with that. And that's why he says that, but Christ lives in me. And that's the resurrection. Without the resurrection, we'd be dead men. That's all. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And that, if we get a hold of that and really believe it in the heart, I think it changes us the way we act. Changes us how we react. You have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what I did was wrong. What what I said was wrong. Uh, All those. I I think of uh, Sam Houston. Sam Houston was... Uh, the city of Houston, Texas, is named after him, but he was often called the, the father of Texas because he was, he was made famous at the Alamo um, and because he came, well, it wasn't at the Alamo, but he came to fight against Santa Ana's men uh, after the Alamo was defeated, and it was Sam Houston that was the one that beat the Mexicans and drove them back. That's basically it. And so the Texans looked to Sam Houston's agreement. But he was not such a nice man, all right? When you read of Sam Houston in those days, he was given to great alcohol uh, binges that he would get in so drunk he was, he'd forget days on end, you know, and caused a lot of grief in his life. Alcohol did. But later on, he, he married a, a Baptist preacher's daughter. And watch out when that happens, I guess. <laughs> and he was converted to Christ. Now, I wouldn't normally condone going into a relationship to be converted that way, but, but that's what happened, and he was converted. Now, now he, he gave up his drinking, and he had a lot of things, but there were still some rough edges with Sam Houston. And the story goes that one day he was on his horse with some other men. They were, they were uh, riding along, and his horse hit a hole and stumbled and he almost fell off the horse and he cursed and he cursed loud enough so all the men heard it he got right off his horse and he got down and he he just got on his knees and asked the lord to help him clean up his mouth you know i think the illustration is there that when we're genuinely converted there still is an aspect of struggle with sin sometimes we'll even blow it in front of other people's and other people but we can turn around and we can immediately go before the lord because i live now i'm in the flesh but i live in christ and i have a direct access to him to say lord help me get over that well he who began the work right being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of jesus christ and i look forward to that day when no more sin and we're in his presence forever and it's going to be with great joy father we thank you for the word of god and lord i pray that you'd help it settle in our hearts even tonight help us to do your will and lord as we go to prayer tonight that we would understand we're we're meeting with the the lord of the universe the god who is our savior and who is quick to answer and and to deliver us and will complete that work in us and oh lord we thank you for that but it's not about us it's about christ and so we look to that day when we will see him face to face and we will live in his house forever in jesus name amen